What's going on, ladies and gents? Welcome back to the number one sports podcast in Southeast Metro Detroit. It's teeing it up with CNV. I'm your host, Connor. As always, another uh, coming at you a day later than normal, but another weekly episode with my co-host, Vladdy. Introductions, as we always do. What's going on, man, since we last potted? Not much. Um, just kind of treading along with work. We've got uh, our upcoming kind of shutdown the last calendar week of the year, so I'm very excited for that. Only got about seven more days of work this year, which sounds really cool. It is really cool. Um, going to watch the, the the new Hunger Games movie tonight. Haven't been to a movie theater since probably Oppenheimer, so that's kind of cool. But outside of that, same old, same old. How are you? I'm good. I haven't been to a movie theater since uh the, the latest batman that was 21 or that, i think it was 2022 that was tw- that was like late winter early spring 22 i think so almost two years which is crazy that 2022 is almost two years now um but i'm all right i'm in the midst of uh final season for the next week so that's kind of what my life has been and will be for the next seven days. But it's good to get on here. And we'll, we have a lot of t- different mixed bag topics today. So it'll be a, a bit of an interesting episode as we kind of uh, show some other sports some love, I guess you would say, as opposed to the strictly footballness um, that this podcast has been for the last three months, um, especially with college football over. Uh, no college football talk today. We'll probably do in the next two weeks here a bowl preview. Maybe next episode, since those will start soon, we'll do just a general bowl preview um, before we go over the important stuff. We really got to preview the bowls. None of the players playing them. There's not really. All right, we'll not be doing it. We won't. Be I'm doing just a saying, doing a bowl preview, a college uh, football playoff preview. We we, we do. There you go. We'll do that. Uh, so first topic is a little hockey. We haven't talked about hockey in a while on this show uh the red wings made news gosh it's it's two weeks ago now so uh shame on me for not bringing up last episode um but there's even more to talk about with the red wings right now um since then but two weeks ago today i believe the red wings signed uh patrick kane uh first ballot future hall of famer one of the best american-born skaters of all time uh coming off hip resurfacing surgery uh he's been out the last six months He's a Red Wing, a one-year contract for $2.75 million. I like it in general for the Wings. It's a low-risk thing. It looks like the Wings are kind of going to be in that wild-card hunt the entire year. The season ended today. They'd be in the first wild-card spot. It seems like they'll be in that if they can survive this little hurdle uh, that I'm about to talk about as far as injuries and the situation that happened on Saturday night. Um, but it's low-risk. The only – as far as it being one year and not a lot of money, as far as Kane actually contributing, um, I was somewhat, uh, what would not optimistic be, but like curious, curious or doubt. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say as far as doubtful, but I had my doubts is what I'll go with. Um, as far as the level of play we'd see from Kane, uh, obviously the last, last year was his worst year by like 25 points. Um, and a lot, a lot of that was due to the injury. I believe four other NHL players have had the surgery and they've com- played a combined like 70 games, like not even a full season between them. Um, most recently, Nicholas Backstrom of the Capitals had this surgery last year, sat pretty much all last year out 
uh, played the first like 10 to 15 games of this season is basically retiring. Ed Jovanowski didn't played like 62 games or, or 42 games, something like that. Ryan Kessler didn't play any. Uh, as far as other athletes, there are some success. I think I saw the Undertaker had successfully gotten the surgery. Um, Andy Murray, uh, you'll kind of remember in tennis, he went down and was, I believe, at like 400 and something in the world. He got the surgery and came back to, I think, a respectable like 40th in the world, kind of got relevant again. So there are some relative success stories with this surgery, just not in hockey. Now, that's what I would have told you if we talked about this last week. He has since made his debut. He's played in three games, uh, one goal in those three games. The first game, I thought he looked slow and sluggish, and I was kind of worried. Um, the second game, in a bad effort, he scored a sick goal, got the boys going. They ended up getting killed. Uh, and then I didn't watch the game last night, but he played 20 minutes, um, which is promising, although he kind of has to, given the state of the roster right now. So we'll see. I mean, Kane, as far as guys go, it's not like he was ever someone relying on speed or being an, an exceptional skater. He's kind of always been that hockey IQ genius, great hand, sees the, sees the ice well that maybe since his game isn't necessarily dependent on being an amazing skater, maybe he can get through this while not having to be the best skater on the ice. Um, I, I think that's a relative point you can make, um, but it, it's exciting times for the Red Wings in general, even though uh, I don't know how much you saw of the incident Saturday night, um, Dylan Larkin went out cold, as they say, KO'd on the ice from two hits by the Ottawa, two Ottawa Senators players kind of back to back. Um, kind of in conjunction with each other. Uh, and then David Perron afterwards cross-checking uh, the wrong guy in the head. Um, he got a six-game suspension. So you're already out. You're, you were already out your second-line center in Comper. Dylan Larkin, who's arguably the best player on the team, your first-line center, is now out for the foreseeable future with what they call head trauma. And he's kind of this is not a new issue. It's a continuing neck and concussion injuries he's had throughout his career, which is scary. Uh, and then David Perron gets a six-game suspension for just attacking someone um, that wasn't even the guy that hit his captain. Uh, weird play. I think a lot of Red Wings fans online from what I see are really angry at Matthew Joseph because they have kind of a history, him and Larkin. I don't know. It kind of just seemed like one of those plays where he – just caught him a little high. There was no intent to injure really. And then he kind of just got hit in this kind of like freakishly up high and then on the way down um, by the other guy. I can't remember the other guy's name that did it. Uh, it's just like one of those places to freak accident. You can't control over. Um, so I think a lot of Red Wings fans freaking out online is a little unwarranted. Um, with that said, I actually don't blame David Perron. You see your captain literally like, motionless on the ground there's going to be a reaction and there needs to be a reaction no matter if it was clean or dirty i'm sorry that's hockey uh now i don't necessarily approve of basically like baseball swinging a, a random guy in the head like peron did that was aggressive yeah I, was saying, I did not see the incident i didn't know if it was during a skirmish while they're like trying to pick up larkin off the ice or if it was in the in the game and he kind of just took a note of a number and said oh i'm gonna i'm gonna get this guy later so he, he just took a swing at a guy's head. Yeah, so it was kind of like Larkin's play was just like a scrum in front of the net almost. And I think he saw him kind of laying like you looked like a like the a police like thing of a dead body, like a, a trace yeah. of one of those. He looked like one of those. And he just kind of instinctively went up and like just like stabbed the guy in the head, basically. Nice. Uh, 
the guy who hit him, Christian Pitcher, did take a number and was like, we're fighting later on in the game. Um, and Joseph agreed. So they fought. It was a shitty fight. Um, but he kind of, Fisher was like, you know, I have to, like you, you injured my captain. Like that's kind of how hockey works. You got to pay, pay the piper there. Uh, it was a shitty fight, but they fought later in the game. And that was normal. Like he asked him to fight, you know, I have to do this. Yes, I understand. Boom. We drop the gloves. We throw it through punches and we go to the box. Um, with that said, the wings have now lost three in a row, all three with Patrick Kane in the lineup. Now you've got your, like I said, your first and second line centers are injured in Larkin and Comper. Perron's out for six games. Uh, so that's three of your top six forwards out now um, for the foreseeable future. So it's going to be rough times in Detroit to try and turn this thing around. I know they play a, a very average St. Louis team. Uh, not quite right as we speak, but in a little bit. But it's optimism time for the Red Wings. We signed a future superstar. He looks like he can contribute in some capacity. They're a solid team this year. We haven't really talked about it much. They score and score and score. They're one of the top scoring teams in the league. However, they give up goals and goals and goals and goals. Uh, so they're most of that I think is attributable to uh, some bad, a couple of bad defensemen on the roster. Uh, I won't name names yet, but there's a defensive problem. There's a goaltending problem that kind of is preventing this from being a true, I think, for sure playoff team. Uh, but they're going to be in the hunt the whole year uh, for a wild card spot. So that's promising to see another Detroit team contributing something unlike some others in this city right now. Uh, our next topic is the Heisman. Uh, the Heisman was Saturday night, kind of the only eventful thing in college football this weekend, aside from the Army-Navy game. Um not sure who won that. Do you know remember who I won think that? Army beat them, but I'm not gonna sit and pretend like I watched a single snap of it. Okay, go army beat Navy. Uh I almost said the wrong guy won the Heisman. That's crazy. Jaden Daniels wins the Heisman trophy. I don't know if there was too much of pushback. There's some naturally, no. I think. Uh there was some, I think some people online, as usual, there's gonna be some form of pet pushback. For what I saw mostly was Michael Penix. Um, but I don't think there was any surprise, at least on this podcast. I think we both thought. I, actually, I think you were last week said you thought Penix should win, right? Well, I think Penix should have won, but I'm not, I didn't sit here and pretend like it was some like full out robber. I, I fully understand the argument for Jane Daniels. It's not something that you die on a hill. I just I just value the fact that Michael Penix led an offense that also scored points. I know you like to say, oh, my God, but. Jaden Daniels had to score 40 points to win a game. I mean, Michael Penix had to do that too. And Michael Penix, his teams but, didn't lose a game. But, 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 but did he? Because down the stretch, Washington, and I think I brought this up last week, was Washington was defense. Like, look at these uh, Pac 12 championship, 34 points. Washington, Washington State, 24 21. Washington, Oregon State, 22 20. Washington, you want to talk about the other games after that where he puts up 35, 52, and 42, or is that is that conveniently stopped? Your Washington, Washington, Arizona State, 15-7. Sure. That's one game. That's the only game he was held under 20 points. Michigan, Washington, Michigan State, only 41 points. <laughs> that's, that's true. That should be yeah, – if you can only put up 41 on MSU, you're a bum. Fair. <laughs> Other playoff teams have put up more. Okay. That's, that's true. Um, 
but yeah, I don't know. I think maybe I, you're right. I am a little biased in the last two regular season games, seeing those scores and I guess maybe not Heisman worthy performances. And I don't think it need, you need to be a Heisman worthy performance every single night of the season to win the Heisman. But Jaden Daniels was the best player in football. Sure. I mean, what am I going to say? I've already said what I needed to say. Okay. So I don't um, really know if there's much more to exhaust than that. It's a relatively boring oh, high speed year. Can I say one thing? I don't think you'll I don't think Jaden Daniels is someone will you'll look back and remember this no. Heisman season. Like I remember I don't know what are Heisman seasons you remember. I remember the first one I recently is Joe Burrow. Um I remember Derrick Henry, uh the Mariota Winston years. I feel like those are rememberable. Uh that's it. So basically, anytime someone plays meaningful games. No, I was going to say something else about the ceremony itself. Cut that shit to half an hour. We don't need an hour of them saying stupid stuff and showing stupid highlights and stupid interviews. Cut it down. Come out there, say, congratulations, Jaden Daniels. You won the trophy. Interview him. Interview his coach. Show a couple highlights and get off the stage. The fact that that thing went on for an hour is lunacy. That's all I'll say. They can't do that, though, because, like, or they can do that because there's no other football on. So, yeah, but like, they that, but that's exactly, I ju- I'm just saying it's you, like, but, but it's not even football at that point. It's reality TV. I'm not into that. Oh, no, I don't even think it's a watchable event in general. No, it's not. That, and that's, that's, the, and you know, what I'm saying is the only way to make it somewhat more palatable is show the, show the highlights, talk to his coach for five minutes. Give him a quick 30-second interview on the stage. Say, congratulations, you're going to be in a bunch of Dr. Pepper commercials for the rest of your life. And <laughs> Welcome to the Heisman the, House. Cut the fucking programming. Go turn on bowling and cornhole for all I care. The Heisman, the Heisman presentation sucks. Yeah. Uh, no disagreement there. And like I said... I don't know. I, I guess the only other thing maybe to talk about is where do you see those three quarter? I mean, Marvin Harrison's going to be a top five pick. If he where goes, do you see those other three going in the draft? Um, I could see Jaden Daniels. Um, I could see Jaden Daniels being a first round pick purely based off of kind of the dual threat ability and that playing, but he is kind of small by quarterback standards. Um, Michael Penix will probably be a mid round pick. Um, he's got big injury concerns. I think I was looking at statistics from 2018 to 2021. Every single one of his seasons ended with a season ending injury. And then Bo Nix is 400 years old. And yeah. that, that so is Peter. Yeah. And sure. Uh, Bo Nix doesn't have the injury history. He was a sensational quarterback and he'll be a mid round pick. I just don't, I don't really see him being some franchise guy, like where it's like, Oh, we get, we got to sell the farm to trade up to 10 for him or, so someone will take them, and they'll get a chance to prove that they're 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 the, they have the ability to lead a team on Sundays as opposed to Saturdays. I just I don't really see any of those guys kind of being the the, the, the prototypical NFL quarterback or the successful NFL quarterback. But we'll see. Yeah, Jaden Daniels is also twenty three too. None of those guys are young, exactly young by any means. Um, a bunch of grandparents in college these days. That's what happens. Yeah, COVID years to everybody and their mother. I didn't really realize Jaden Daniels was at Arizona State. Um, he was actually the quarterback during that nine to six game our junior year at Michigan State. If yep. you remember that game, I do. Where they 
where they kicked. They we iced the kicker, but he missed it, and then he made the one we didn't ice him on to lose nine to six to Arizona State. Yeah, I was at that game. I remember. So was I. Yeah. Uh, moving on. Uh, Michigan State basketball switching sports yet again. Um, oh my God. A team that I was so excited about. We haven't talked about much since the preview. They currently sit at four and five, which is tied for Tom Izzo's worst start ever. Not to mention that this team was preseason ranked number four in the country. They had five returning starters, four returning starters, sorry, um, in one of the best recruiting classes in the country and have essentially lost to anybody relevant and dead some with the James Madison loss to start the season. Um, they have no good wins. Um, they really haven't even looked good in their losses. Where do you want to start with this team? Because I think there's so much I, I want to get into with like them, and it's it's so hard with nine games in the season to say this kind of stuff that I'm about to say. But four and five, you're not going to make the tournament the way this thing is going. Before you even get to Big Ten play, so this is this is kind of your baby of a team. I'm going to let you just get it all out, and then I'll say my stuff afterwards. Go ahead, start the rant. Uh, well, with this team specifically, before I get into Izzo just saying after every game, it's my fault. We got to be better. We got to – guys got to hit shots. I got I to gotta coach harder. I, I got to watch the tape all night. Bullshit. You can't say that after – it's like Dan Campbell last – two years ago crying after every loss. You can't pull that card every single Sunday. It just gets old and monotonous and it hate, makes me hate you even more. That's where I'm at with Tom Izzo's post-game press conferences. Try something different. With the actual team, I this team came in with guys that could shoot the rock. Tyson Walker, Jaden Akins, great shooter. Lee Call, when he wants to get it off, good shooter. Uh, guys that had shown that they can make jump shots and threes at this level before. Jaden Akins airballs at least two shots a game. Malik Hall takes 37 seconds just to get the ball from his, his waist to above his head. <laughs> they can't shoot the rock, and you can't tell me shots are not falling after nine games. They're a bad shooting team, or they're just not a good enough team to get stuff. And you know what the problem is? You know what I think the problem with the shooting is, and with, which is the biggest problem with this team, is, and it was the same shit last year, you thought maybe you'd bring in a five-star big man and that would change things. No, he doesn't even play in Big Ten games. Is the center position. They had more success Monday, uh, Sunday night against Nebraska when Malik Hall was playing the five and they went that small. That's that's when they had the most success Sunday night. Rotating between Sissoko and Carson Cooper. Now, Carson Cooper's only a sophomore. He really he was a guy that they thought they were going to redshirt freshman year, ended up playing big minutes. I can't put too much shit on him because he's done okay, but he's not that good of a basketball player. And Matty Sissoko is a horrible basketball player and has been horrible for four years at Michigan State. And now, while the NBA is kind of this like wing, large mobile wing sport now um, and can play like guys that are just these athletically tall, thin wings, right? That And the, the, the aside from Jokic, the traditional big man is largely extinct in the well, Jokic NBA. Jokic isn't even traditional. He doesn't really play back to the basket. 
Right. He's out, he's out there playing point guard at times. He's the only comparable, I think, you could even argue. Maybe Embiid, maybe. I think Embiid's more just, – just due to oddball abilities, I feel like Embiid is more comparable to the old-school center, but you're absolutely correct. The, the old-school center that we grew up with uh, – I'm trying to not pick something stupid like Shaq because, I mean, there was no – there was never anyone like Shaq. But your right. Dwight Howard is gone. That, right. that doesn't exist. Andre Drummond. I mean, Andre Drummond, if he played, if he was born 10 years earlier, dude could have been a Hall of Famer. Yeah. But with that said, look at the co- look at the effect that's had on the college game is that these good big men stay in the game longer and thus I think has created this effect where it's the most important position in college basketball right now. You look at guys who have been these players players of the year the past couple of years, I think of like, uh, Oscar Oshibwe two years ago, Zach Eady last year, a Hunter Dickinson at Kansas now, is these veteran big guys that can, yeah, a lot of them can shoot, but they play with their back to the basket. They can move the ball off a double. They're huge. They score. They have an inside game, and it makes shooting around them easier. That's kind of where the college game is at for a lot of these premier programs right now. You look, like I just mentioned, Kansas has Hunter Dickinson. Purdue, I'm going across the top right now. Purdue has Zach Eady. Um, Duke has Kyle Filipowski. They've all got big men that can play down low. Michigan State has, even compared to the worst teams in the Big Ten, is the bottom tier of the bottom tier of inside play offensively, and even defensively sometimes. That it's so bad that it has an effect on how your guards play. And simply, like, yeah, iso ball is kind of the way of the NBA, but when it forces you, when you're so bad inside, it basically forces you to play iso ball up top, which results in Hogard, Tyson Walker, Jaden Akins, Malik Hall, playing essentially iso ball, which is so easy to guard and makes hard shots even harder. And that's kind of where their offense is at right now. And they're not hard to guard against because of that. You're telling me Madi Sissoko, the pedestrian, isn't a good basketball player? I'm telling you he's not, and it's – I know Steve – Steve is a – Tom Izzo had the quote after the Nebraska game that even, like, how mad are you at the, about the center situation? And he said, quote, even Steven and Nick are options. Obviously joking. But I hope that's true because at this point – and it, I know, like, Xavier Booker has not looked good even when he's given them a chance – when Izzo's given him a chance – and people have been crying from the rafters all season about it. And I was kind of like, I trust Izzo that if he's this bad, because he hasn't looked good when he's played, that he probably doesn't deserve to be playing. But at this point, your team is so bad, try something else. You've tried Sissoko in this role for two and a half years now. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I'll start my own rant. Um, you mentioned they're on pace to miss the tournament. Everything stinks about them. This was supposed to be kind of that vintage Tom Izzo team where you got that great senior leadership. Oh, my God. Except for the fact that your senior leaders suck. A.J. Hogarth is taking a step back from last year. And he just pouts. It's all pouting when he doesn't get his way. Malik Hall, I mean, we mentioned the inability to shoot. He is – I'll give him a little bit of credit. He's He's played a little better. I actually think he's been the second best player on this team. And that's not Not saying much, but – but, I think he's uh, been he's been by far the second yeah, best player. I'll give him a league call a little credit. He's gotten a little better the last couple of games, but Rutro, that's not a senior leader. 
I mean, Tyson Walker, I guess, cool. He's finally turned into that alpha where when he first showed up on campus, I don't want to say he wasn't afraid to shoot, but it was almost like a, maybe he didn't think he'd earned his place at the top of the Michigan State offense food chain. Whereas now, P, I think maybe, I don't know if he's realized it or everyone else has realized it. He's our only chance of getting a bucket at times. Yeah, and he'll, he'll sure. demand the ball and he'll go to work. Good yeah. for you. But in terms of actual leadership skills, I don't really – and this isn't necessarily a bad thing. Not everyone's got to be the, the first guy to run through the brick wall. But I just don't see Tyson Walker as that kind of Denzel Valentine, Cassius Winston. No. And, and that's not an indictment. There's, there's only so many of those guys. Believe it. If Tom Izzo could find another Cassius Winston, he would. But it does, it's not that easy. Um. I mean, we mentioned the recruiting class supposedly was the number three recruiting class in America, and supposedly Xavier Booker was the third best recruit Michigan State's ever had. Uh, 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 can't even get on the court. I mean, I think Jeremy, really only one of them has shown any real potential. Is that Jeremy Fears? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I was, I agree with that. I mean, Fears has looked like he can be kind of that. We, we say next great Michigan State four-year point guard. He's got yeah. the chance. Um, Cohen Carr. I mean. It's interesting about Cohen Carr because as a basketball player, I don't really know what's there. I know he's got the ability to jump out of the building and this and that, and he's the athlete. But as a basketball player, I don't really know what I get out of him. He's been um, fine in the role they've given him, which yeah. has been very limited. No, and Booker's absence to me is particularly puzzling because it's – you mentioned it, It's not like you have Xavier Tillman and Nick Ward battling for minutes down there in 2017. Right, right. Jackson Kohler's dead. He's not playing right now. Yeah, what, Cooper, when is he? Is he ever going to come back? There, he's supposed to come back in the new year, I believe. But for okay. the sake of the for the sake of the rant, Carson Cooper, you mentioned it. Nice story, kind of a sophomore. You're not going to sit here and hit him with the with the book because that's not fair to him. Mati Sissoko is one of the worst basketball players I've ever seen, and I understand he started playing when he was a junior in high school. Maybe that explains it. He's played less basketball in his life than I have, but. Come on. It, it's How can Xavier Booker not get on the floor? And then, yeah. do you remember the good old days where nobody could out-hustle or out-rebound a Tom Izzo team? That's uh, not. It's just not the case at that, all. With that's been team. gone for almost a decade. I think that, that's, that's the most frustrating part with this team. It's done. I mean, I, I can keep going. You remember when... <laughs> oh, my God. You... <sighs> Team used to be able to shoot that they used to be able to shoot pretty well. They could never take care of the ball. I think that's gotten slightly better, but that's because I don't know if they actually have an offense that's important enough to get turnovers. It's usually just get it to Tyson Walker and let him. They don't rebound and run because they don't get rebounds. It's it's sad. They're going to be four and six after Saturday. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's pathetic. You could you could realistically lose to Oakland. And probably be seven and seven going into the new year, and that would probably give you. You would have to go essentially fourteen and four to make the tournament. You Thirteen and five, maybe lose to Oakland. Oh, that would be hilarious. It's not out of the possibility. Oakland beat, oh. has already uh, beat Xavier. Another. I, I guess they're not a power five, but a power five basketball program. Yeah, no, them. I mean, I would. Uh, I agree with you. I mean. I don't know, man. It's it's incredibly frustrating. Um, part of me is kind of happy because I hate Tom Izzo, and this is just 
kind of entertaining seeing him completely I, fall apart. Yeah, it's interesting seeing him completely turn into the D'Antonio in the old years. And you've been harping on him for years. And I think he's got me included has cut him a free pass for a long time. A lot of Michigan State fans have. And it's so interesting right now, the state of the team online is I think everyone starts to real is beginning to at least look at the fact that his time needs to be like cutting to an end here, essentially. No, I, mean, I think people are beginning to recognize yeah. that with this season. And, to start this season. It's okay. It, it's okay. Nothing lasts forever. That's fine. That's part of the process. But, and you look at some of the other things, and I understand a lot of his colleagues moved on because they didn't want to deal with this. Get in the damn portal. Your two yep. best players over the last four years were from the portal. Get in it. What are you, what are you doing? Who's the second one? Hauser. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's kind of turned into this just Dabo Sweeney character in college basketball and that I don't do the transfer portal. NIL is done. They're all entitled kind of thing. Um, I don't think I, – I'll, I'll stop there. I don't think he really hates NIL the way Dabo does. I'm, I mean, I'm, maybe he's said things that I haven't seen. Like, obviously, Dabo is on the record. This is stupid. We should be playing for God or whatever dumb shit he likes to say. But he definitely is Dabo Sweeney in the – he refuses to modernize. Yeah. He's got – I mean, I was listening to – I was listening to Valenti. And I, I'm not going to pretend like I've, I'm this critical on Michigan State. But he's, he's talking uh, – Valenti was talking about their assistant coaches. He's got a point. If, if these guys haven't really changed in the last six, seven years – that was always the Dabo Sweeney staple is we're a family. These are my guys. We're going to go together. And I remember there was a stat at one point, Clemson didn't have a coaching change for eight years. And yeah. like, that was great for a very long period of time. That helps. But at some point, the sport modernizes and it turns into revolutions on revolution cycles. And you can't just, that a country club, Tom, get out there, get some people who are younger with fresher ideas, get rid of your friends. They're going to kill you. Yeah, I've also seen uh, theorize like a theory that um, Dwayne Stevens, who did much of the big, big, uh, big guy development for Tom Izzo for years, Mm -hmm. um, obviously left for a head coaching job at Western, I think, two years ago now. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of people attest that to the lack of development of any big guys in that time. Wouldn't be shocked. I don't know. Um, I... We'll 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 stay on this team every week because obviously when football dies out, we gotta have the two Big Ten games a week where we can talk about. But this team looks bad, bad. And I think I was still optimistic about them until Nebraska Sunday night. You don't like you don't like losing to Ken Jong's Ill- illegitimate son. I, I can't stand it. Tominaga is his name. I can't Kase stand Tominaga. I think I can't stand watching him play basketball i just can't <laughs> yeah i mean do you, i don't really have much more to say about this team at this at this moment we'll continue to check in on them maybe they'll decide to win a game that matters maybe they won't um any anything else from you uh no let's move on to the nfl for the week do you want to do you want to kind of reverse the order and go from one disappointing team to another yeah let's okay so start with the lions here yeah i'm glad we know uh, Lions lose Sunday to move to nine and four, 28 13 on the road versus the Bears. Um, 13 13 at the half, 28 13 at the end. Who's to blame? 
Um, all of them. <laughs> no, I, look, dreaming. I'll, I'll kind of start a little, a little monologue because I think it was good. Dreaming's free, and that's why it's so much fun to do it. And romanticizing your team is fun. And yeah. I think with this team and the dream that we had a month and a half ago, two months ago, when we were sitting here laying out the schedule, look at these guys, look at these guys, look at Philadelphia's schedule, San Francisco's five and three, yep. that dream's gone. We no longer play the same sport as Philadelphia, Dallas, and the 49ers. No. No. Um, You're delusional if you think that at yeah. this point. No, and, and again, you mentioned who's to blame. I could, I could genuinely look at every single aspect of the Detroit Lions and say that's not good enough. Um now thankfully the New York Giants kind of I had these notes written down from before the Monday night games. The New York Giants really did us a favor beating the Packers oh, yeah. last night because if the yep. Packers and the Vikings were both sitting two games behind us, I would have been petrified of a loss to the Broncos. Suddenly I'm not that nervous because you know what? We know like we we're no longer necessarily not not afraid of the Packers. They're technically still there mathematically, but they're three games behind us with four games to play. If you collapse yeah. that, you might as well just hang it up anyway. But them losing is huge. It's it's just down to Minnesota. Beat Minnesota once. Take your ten and seven or eleven and six record and just go go do what you can do. Um, they haven't played a great game in almost two months. That's not good. And when I say great, I mean from multiple like from multiple aspects. Obviously, the offense was sensational against the Chargers. Defense gave up 38 points. Can't do yep. that. On the other side, you had defenses doing well. Offense going, huh? what's a football? Am I supposed to keep it or give it to the other guys? I mean, where do you want to start in terms of actual blame? Uh I want to go to and I and again I think you're right in that you can't assess you can't put it all in one spot or one person I think it's collective, but I hear a lot about Aaron Glenn, and Aaron Glenn's done a poor job with this team and this defense this year because they've kind of gotten lit up by everyone. But old wonder kid on the other side of the ball, for the last three four weeks hasn't gotten a single mention on why Jared, he can't change something to where Jared Goff is not continuously for weeks on end running for his life. And that's Ben Johnson. All right. I'll, I'll go down to my Ben Johnson notes. Um, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll bring up the play calling because it's been poor for a month. Um, we talk about like, I know in the moment when we're watching, we're texting with each other and all of our friends, we, we start bringing up the Dan gambles and the, Oh, what's this lunatic doing? Ben Johnson still calls those plays. Yep. Dan Dan gives him the reins to say, "Hey, you got third and it's third and forty-five from our own four. Ben, you got two chances to get it now. Dan, maybe we shouldn't do that. And I'm obviously hyperbolizing here, but Ben Johnson's play calling sucks. And it's, I mean, the red zone play calling on outside of fourth down play calling bad. Jamison Williams, he's healthy. Yep. He is not just a track star. If he was just a track star, he'd have been drafted by the Dolphins in the seventh round. He's not just a track star. You treated up 20 spots for him. Use him. He's yep. better than just a go route. Not to mention, your quarterback can't throw go routes because he doesn't have yep. the arm strength. Or the, I'm going to say poiser, or the balls to stay in the pocket and wait to get hit. Yeah. I mean, Jameer Gibbs to an extent. Use him. 
it just seems like for, and I know the next thing I want to talk about is the O-line slash golf, but it just seems like if that's the excuse is that that's changed and that we've got different guys in there, a good Wonderkin offensive coordinator should be able to script something different to be able to get around an issue. It's called problem solving. It's what you do in any other job in this country is they pay you to solve problems. And he hasn't solved that problem yeah. for weeks now. Can I say one more thing about Ben Johnson and kind of the fourth the fourth down play calling? In the last, I think, three or four games, the Detroit Lions are two of ten on recent fourth down tries, and they started, I think, 11 of 20. You want to know <laughs> something cool about those last ten tries? We have more turnovers than successful attempts. And those That's... 10 tries, three have ended up with interceptions or fumbles. Two have been successful. And I understand that golf pick on fourth and 30 was just an arm punt or a Hail Mary. It is what it is. That's still pathetic. Hmm. You want you want to yeah. get golf? You know, want to go yeah, golf? Yeah, golf. Um, I think it's I, – I now, the golf thing to me – is a little overdone at this point I, online. He has not been the same player the last month, nor has the team. But I don't want to see Hendon Hooker trending on Twitter. I'm not to that point yet. Yes. I, 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 I'm I glad that we're on the same page here. I mean, I don't ever want to see Hendon Hooker trending, first of all. I mean, maybe I'm being overly critical of a guy who hasn't even shown he can do yet, but I think so much of Hendon Hooker's appeal was Josh Hoipel's offense versus Hendon Hooker's ability. Yeah. But well, maybe we maybe we talk about that uh, at a later date. Yeah, no, he's he's obviously regressed a ton. He gives the ball away like cotton candy these days. Eight turnovers in three games. That's not good. I understand the pocket's been terrible. I mean, you have you seen some of the videos of Taylor Decker just getting worked? Did you see the Montez Sweat video? No, but I did see that he had a good game. Montez, Montez Sweat. Sweat basically pushes him back six yards directly into Goff and just grabs Goff by the collar. And it's just like, yeah, you're going to fall down. Yeah. And Taylor Decker just – he's been awful the last month. Well, I, I think I'm, you see with Goff, too, that I'm why I say I'm not done with him is I think it's just it's just a realization of what he is. Yes. He's kind of just a, the best, a really, really good game manager. Yeah. And that's okay, and you can win with those guys. But they're not going to go out of their way to win you games like a Mahomes or a Joe Burrow will. Uh with that said, part of that, part of realizing that is he is beyond immobile. He is the slowest quarterback I've seen in the, like the twenties, I guess you would say. Uh, and when the offensive line is bad, he has no ability to extend any play. The yep. play's over. If the play doesn't work off the hop, the play's over because yeah. he's just not gonna be able to extend it. Well. And yeah, that's that's a valid point. And on top of that. He gets these happy feet, and he gets antsy, and he starts throwing stupid passes, and that's kind of led to a couple of the turnovers. I mean, look, the one thing, the only thing I'll say about golf regarding a possible contract extension is, look, if you want to get paid $45 million to be a quarterback in the NFL, you do have to mask some deficiencies. You can't, you can't always, you can't be the guy who lights up the league when the pocket's clean and he's playing indoors. Like I, I know people like to joke about it, but there, there's a reason stereotypes exist. He can't play outdoors in the cold. Yeah. No. California boy. Yeah. Uh, I think that I think that's really anything on the defense. Sure. Besides how bad it is. 
Yeah, they suck. I mean, look, you mentioned Aaron Glenn, and bit part of this will get put onto Brad Holmes as well. Aaron Glenn can only work with what he has on the field. The defense has been – there's been injuries. Ali McNeil's on IR. C.J. Gardner-Johnson played a game and a half. Brian Branch in and out of the lineup. Emmanuel Mosley re-tears his ACL. I, I understand that this defense has not been healthy the, the way the offense has, bar the offensive line. They've also been in and out of the lineup. But at some point, concepts are concepts. How have you played Justin Fields two times a year for his entire career and you still don't know that, hey, maybe a quarterback spy is a good idea? If I'm playing Justin Fields, every single play, there is a spy sitting there waiting. Force him to beat you with his arm because that's what everyone says he can't do, right? And if he proves you wrong like that, put your hands in the air and say, shit, now I got to put another safety back. What what are we doing on some of these runs where he's going for 45 yards? What are we doing? Got a soul touching him. Look, that first drive, now granted, I'll give the defense credit. They they have been put in really bad situations by the offense the last couple of weeks. But that first drive was one of the worst things I've ever seen. They played better afterwards, like you mentioned. Chicago had seven points in the very first second. And then they, they were at 13 going halfway through the third quarter. Offense just couldn't do anything. But they also got a break. Chicago kind of went full lunatic as well on a fourth and one. Instead of using Justin Fields, who's built like a linebacker, or using Deontay Foreman, who is a literal mountain, they do some <laughs> stupid pitch pass to, to DJ Moore. Uh, what do you, I mean, they, they put us in that game, and our offense just didn't want to take advantage of it. I, I mean, look. It was cool in Hutchinson got a sack. He also had two really stupid plays that cost us twenty or fourteen points. Where he where he first, I don't know if you saw in Justin Fields a scramble touchdown where he kind of jumps inside and just completely abandons the edge and Justin Fields runs it in. Mm-hmm. Um and then the second one, which is one of the worst things I've ever seen. And you know what? Mistakes happen. Um he owns up to it. It's not like he's hiding behind anything. Jumping off sides on that fourth and 13 play when everybody and their mother knows that they're not snapping the football. What are you doing, man? Not that he makes it work. He goes and drops back into coverage after. What are you doing crossing the line at all if, you're, if your assignment is to chase a running back or a tight end? What are you doing? Well, I, I, feel, I can't, like, talk about Aiden Hutchinson because I feel like I'm just saying the same yeah, and that's why I kind of wanted to keep it to the specific plays that happened here because they were kind of – it wasn't just the, hey, man, you need to tackle the guy because you know what? We know he needs to tackle the quarterback. We know that's yeah. why he's the number two overall pick. But those two plays are usually things that we don't associate with Hutchinson. He's a smart yeah. player. He does have that IQ. What is he doing on those things? And also, mm-hmm. on that specific play where DJ Moore goes free for the 50-year touchdown, how is Jerry Jacobs one-on-one – with DJ Moore and no safety help. Now, maybe you know what? Maybe the secondary didn't think the ball was getting snapped either, and they got caught off guard. Why is Jerry Jacobs on the field? Jerry <laughs> Jacobs sucks. That's your number one corner. Nah, Cam Sutton's still alive. Yeah. Do you want to get to? Do you want to get to kicking? Kicking, yeah, we don't really do that, do we? 
No, well, I, I see why. Riley Patterson can't kick an extra point. <laughs> it's hard to feel it's hard to feel bad for the man. And it's hard to it's hard to kind of blame Dan for some of the decisions he makes when your kicker's out there, can't hit a 55 yarder because he doesn't have the leg, or can't really kick a f- extra point. This is the NFL. Go get someone that can, though. Yeah, that's the other thing that's funny is they. I'm pretty sure they traded for Riley Patterson in the offseason. Yeah. Because he was here, I think, in 21, and he was pretty good in 21. If he's that bad, teams swap kickers so often. At any given point, there's 40 dudes who are kicking in their basement at a, at a net. Go, go call one of them. Go find Brett Aubrey. I want a Brett Aubrey. I want a 40-year-old rookie who played in the MLS who hasn't missed a kick all season, who can reliably hit from 65 or 70 if need be. Yeah, that was crazy. Um, Dan. Let's get to the decisions. Dan. What are you doing on 4th and 13 at your own 30? Punt the ball away. For those, for those not, uh, well, for everybody, since there's no visual, Vladdy just, after his last statement, just slumped his head into his desk. No, I, think, look, I think that sums up what he wants to yeah, say about look, Dan Campbell. Look, I understand that they're still 9-4, and four, and your record is what your record is, and we talk about how hard it is to win the NFL. This week proved that there was an NFL season high, eight underdogs winning football games. I get it. But the issue is the Detroit Lions are now a month and a half into playing bad football to the point where I'm starting to question if they're guaranteed. Like, we used to say anything short of a playoff win is a letdown. I mean, I'm starting to say, is it a letdown if they lose a playoff game? Or are we just happy to be there? Because that's how that's what this team's playing like right now. The Bears have beaten more above 500 teams than the Lions this year. Is that true? That is true. The Bears are 5-8. and eight. Dude, the Bears are one spot out of the playoff game. The Bears, if you take away uh, a bad September, are 5-4. and four. Hey, listen, man. Justin Fields, Pat, get that boy Marvin Harrison – Get him a little, get him another offensive lineman and let him go to work. They got a top five defense now. That's that's the guy. I I think if you're like if you're the Lions in the years to come of our the supposed dynasty that's on the way, you're terrified of the Bears. They have a great defense, a lot of young pieces. They can pretty much choose they have the number one pick, so they can choose if they want to draft the next prodigy or stay with Justin Fields. Trade down. They're already winning games right now. They're already beating you. I would be very afraid of the Bears and the Packers moving forward. Yeah, no, Bears still have money. I know they spent a lot of it last offseason. They've got more to spend, though. They can't obviously go nuclear because they're going to have to pay Justin Fields if they decide to keep him. But, I mean, we all saw what kind of haul they got for Bryce Young. What kind of haul do you think they could get for Caleb Williams if they decide that Justin Fields is their guy? That first-round pick, if they traded it, would be so valuable. Sorry. Uh... Do we want to get to our kind of topics of the week? Yeah, let's go through our our more general topics for the NFL this week. Who are you thinking of? Where, Where are we starting? 
Uh, surprise of the week. Um, my surprise of the week is the underdogs. I briefly mentioned it. Eight underdogs this past week, all one straight up. The Patriots, the Jets, the Bears, the Browns, the Giants, the Titans, the Bills, and the Bucks. I mean, you had a lot of four and eight teams beating supposed playoff teams. I I just kind of look at that. That was cool. I know we're kind of in the era of QBs are dead and some of those teams that are these they are losing guys, but that, that not, there's not too much more to it. It was just for me. Anytime you have an NFL season high and some kind of record on how many of a certain somebody's did a certain something, that'll be my surprise. Uh, my surprise is the Bengals with Jake. Jake Allen, Jake Allen, Jake Browning, back-to-back weeks getting the win this week over uh, the, Colts. the Colts. Sorry, uh, and last week the Jaguars. I can't. You kind of writ them off. I know a lot of teams this year are missing start, starting quarterbacks. You gradually write them off, and I think the Bengals were example number one. I mean, they started off zero and three, then you lose Joe Burrow. They're right back in the hunt now with anybody else. And if Jake Browning kind of plays like he did on Sunday, you start to think that this team could wind up in a playoff spot. Agreed. Um, the only thing I'll say against them is the fact that the AFC is a jungle and there are seven teams that are all seven and six. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of – it's it's – I guess the NFC is kind of the same thing, just with like a worse, like yeah, two games the teams worse record. Are fucking awful. Yeah, but like, do you trust any of these seven and six teams right now in the AFC? Either I don't know if I do. So, in terms of the you trust term, the Colts? No. So, in terms of the word trust, no. But they, I mean, Buffalo at seven and six. We've seen Buffalo be pr- supposedly good before. Yeah, usually they find a way to choke Joe Burrow in the playoffs, but. We've seen Buffalo be good before. I mean, Stroud, we'll see what happens with this concussion. He's lit the league on fire. I need to quickly pull up the other seven and six teams because I'm a casual and I do not know off the top of my head. Uh, The Pittsburgh Steelers are not going to be a team that's frightening because they suck. Denver doesn't look fun to play against right now. We're about to find out in four days. I don't know. I just, I mean, you mentioned Cincinnati. They're kind of on a run. They do have pieces, but without your quarterback, what are you going to do? I don't know. I just think that the AFC, all of those teams in their own kind of right are better than the NFC teams that are also kind of vying for a playoff spot, but just one or two games worse in every single position. Yeah. Um, Game of the week. Uh, thankfully, we're pushing this back uh, a day because this kind of we had two crazy games on Monday night. I'm going with the Titans and the Dolphins in a game that went from zero to a thousand. The first three quarters were largely useless: punts, turnovers, defensive touchdown, thirteen to thirteen going into the fourth quarter, and then just all hell broke loose. Um, muffed punt. Miami gets the ball inside the 15, I think, goes and scores. It's now 20 to 13. The very next play of scrimmage, Will Levis throws it behind Derrick Henry, recovered by the Dolphins. 
in the span of, I think, 35 seconds or a minute and a half. I forget how many – they went, I say, right down the field. They're already at the 15. Score again. It's now 27-13, and you're like, oh, well, this Titans team is screwed because you don't really expect this young QB who just had that disastrous mistake off of an earlier disastrous mistake by the other part of the team to come back. Now, right down the field, March. I think it was a minute and a half to go 75 yards. 27-21 because the Titans go for two, playing for the win, which I like that decision. Yeah, why not? Yeah, either you lose or you lose. You might as well try and win. Um, Miami 3-0, and Tennessee right back down the field, almost to a point where you thought, oh, you've given Miami too much time. Because I think it was, I think the clock was over a minute. You had Miami then get the ball back down 28-27. You see some, you see some kind of stingy plays, kind of typical Tennessee. The defense is there. I know Tyreek was banged up, so he was kind of on and off the field on that last drive. And I think that kind of really hurt him because when he's not on the field, even if he's just going to be a decoy, he's a damn good decoy to have. Really, I mean, gives you one-on-one with Jalen Waddell and, and everything else. Tua gets sacked. Titans win the game. For me, it was just kind of a really, really big whirlwind 15 minutes to end the game. That's my game of the week. Kind of how the Dolphins play these days. Um, yeah. I love it, and I'm here for it, and hopefully it is just as exciting come playoff time. I have the most ironic game of the week. Vikings 3, Raiders 0. <laughs> I love it. Zero touchdowns. Uh, I believe Josh Dobbs got benched for a young Nick Mullins in this game. Uh, Derek Carr breaks his rib again. I don't know how he he gets hurt every single game. I think he just keeps going back out there to spite because he knows. I think Jameis Winston is like deep down just as good as him, but he refuses to let anyone know this, so he just stays in games hurt. Um, this is one of the worst. This is just exhibit. Double Z of this season being a horrible product. And I know a lot of that is attributable, in my opinion, to quarterback injuries, but games like this are just not okay for the fan to watch. I feel bad for both of these franchises, fan bases, for having to watch this garbage. Um, we want as a fan, I won't put up with this. I'm I'm putting my foot down and saying I don't I don't stand for this kind of football. Yeah, it's been, I mean, it's pathetic. Um, we had a 6 nothing game last week, a 3 nothing game. Are we on our way to a 2 nothing game next week? Hey, we I was going to say, I was going to say a 1 nothing game. That's not but possible. But I'm not sure. That is correct. That is not possible. Um, my, fo- my football guy uh, brain kicked in. Uh, moving forward, your fraud of the week. Uh, I think we probably have the same one here, uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. No, we do not have one. Okay, so I'm going to – I mean – You're going to hate mine, I think. Okay. I mean, I'm going to say Patrick Mahomes and and the Kansas City Chiefs complaining about the rules being applied to them. Yeah, that's a good one. Like, look, Kadarius Tony was lined up offsides. I do not care what your – the only way I could support them complaining is if Kadarius Tony did a Terry McLaurin and staring at the referee twice says, hey, man, am I good? And the ref says, yeah, you're good. 
And then yeah. as soon as the ball gets snapped, you see the dude's hand go into his pocket and throw a little yellow thing in the air. That is the only way I could support you being mad. Tony didn't do that. He lined up off sides, and you know what? That happens. Sorry. It's unfortunate I... that receiver. Oh, no. I was just going to say, it's unfortunate that re- receivers continue to kill this team one way or another, whether it be drops or just boneheaded plays. But it is what it is. There's nothing you can do. I mean, you got Mahomes barking at officials at the end of the game. You got him screaming at Josh Allen in the post-game handshake. Worst call I've ever seen. You got them coming out of the presser. Now, I understand you can't bash your own player, especially a younger guy like Darius Tony, because that that's not really just a good example. But come on. Not to mention, I don't know if you saw the pictures of the line of scrimmage. This was one play that I remember we brought this up when they when we played the Chiefs at the beginning of the year. Jawan Taylor lines up offsides on every single snap. Mm-hmm. So I mean I I forget the exact rule, but every member on the line has to be within or has to have a body part that is at oh, some geez. point parallel to the center. Now that doesn't right. mean the ball, but the center. Jawan Taylor lines up a yard behind the center's ass. And he never gets flagged for it. So what are you complaining about if every single time you snap the ball, there's a five-yard penalty that doesn't go get called against you? You have no right. You know, I really thought Patrick Mahomes was right. The the penalty had no effect on the play. Kadarius Tony was only the one who scored the touchdown. And was offsides. And Patrick Mahomes should get every single call ever, like he's implying. Yeah, exactly. So he's right. Yeah. He's right. Sure. And he deserves to be mad. No, I'm kidding. I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm yeah. not signifying that. <laughs> uh, I think I think the it's so ironic they say it had no effect on the play, and yet he's the one that scored the literal touchdown. Um, I know literally speaking, he probably would have anyways if he was a foot back or whatever, but to say it has no effect on the play when the guy had the biggest effect on the play doesn't make sense to me. Um, and the fact that it takes away from Travis Kelsey's Hall of Fame career That's that no one will remember this play is just not a good reason for ignoring the rules of football. Sorry. Uh, so I completely agree with everything. It's just kind of funny to see them unravel. But again, I'm still... I'm holding on tight this year because they're doing the thing they do every year where they go, I don't know about the Chiefs. Yeah, and then you watch them hammer everyone. We're going to see them at the end of January in an AFC championship game. Probably. Probably. Uh, My fraud of the week is the Houston Texans. They're D-O-N-E done. Their season's over. There's no way they come back from this. Zach Wilson goes for over 300 yards. C.J. Stroud looks awful. I don't think they're a playoff team. They're a team where you look at the Lions last year, and hopefully they don't do what they're doing this year and next year. Hold so on. that's my hey, Houston Texans take. Can for I the just day. make they're a quick frauds. counter to that real quick? You lose Tank Dell. I'm pretty sure Nico Collins got thrown out of that. Or not thrown out of the game, but he got knocked out of that game. C.J. Stroud got knocked out of that game. Granted, it was towards the end. And they were playing in a monsoon or some kind of gale force wins. Now, I understand that didn't did affect not, Zach Wilson. Yeah, I, I was about to say, it didn't stop Zach Wilson from dropping 302 touchdowns. I'm just saying, 
to sit there and throw the D-O-N-E word out after one game, I think that's a little premature. Also, you make a good point. This is my boy, C.J. Stroud. We can't say bad things about him. He's the darling, but I think that's a little premature. If he's out for a week or two, there's no way they can compete the way this is. Now, AFC this one, I will agree with you. If, if concussion protocol does him poorly, and let me see who they got this week and see if there's some chance that Davis Mills can do something against a bad team. Oh, who do they have? They play the Titans, which the Titans are cockroaches, but it's a winnable game without him. Dude, you know, and he's just an addition to the story of, do you want to just keep playing the name game of quarterbacks who have gotten hurt? Sure. Like, I'll go first. C.J. Stroud. Anthony Richardson. Joe Burrow. Oh, that was going to be my guy. Kenny Pickett. Not that that's a loss to anybody. Aaron Rodgers. Kirk Cousins. <laughs> um, Justin Herbert. Ooh, that's, that's a good one. Mr. Done for the season himself. Can I count Kyler Murray considering he started the year on injured count reserve? Kyler no. Murray. Yeah, you can count him. All right, Kyler Murray. Uh, Deshaun Watson. Derek Carr. Not that he's a big loss either. No, but he's a loss. <laughs> um, I want to say Jimmy G, but he just forgot how to play football. Um, are we missing anybody? We probably are, but I, I don't really – I mean, Ryan Tannehill got hurt, and that that allowed Ryan Tannehill a starter. Uh, I think you could argue um, Justin Fields was hurt for a while. He was. The, you don't even argue. Uh, that is a fact. Uh, DTR for the Browns got hurt. <laughs> yeah, they're playing <laughs> after Deshaun Watson got hurt. No, the Browns have four. Quarter, the Browns have four different quarterbacks who've started and won a game. That's outrageous. Yeah, that and they're I. I don't know. They're another team where I, I trust them more than some of those other teams in the AFC, especially the if Browns, Joe Flacco the can sit there. Is, the Browns' defense is filthy. And I don't know. Something about Joe Flacco. He's elite. 38 years old. You know what? I, I've always argued that Joe Flacco, I'm going to say a bum, but was overrated and shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. You know what? Go oh, take I wouldn't this. say Hall of Fame. Some people say he should. Yeah, that's outlandish. I, Some I would people go. say it's not outlandish, but you know what? Go take this Browns team to Super Bowl. I'll build you the statue myself. I'll sew you a gold jacket myself. Okay. <laughs> we'll be seeing Vladdy down in Canton in the near future. Yeah, with, with my with my grandmother knitting glove in that little tin cookie jar that everyone used to think there was food in. Then they got oh, I, I, I'm at Canton, Michigan. We're going to see you at Ikea soon. Ah, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Any other NFL topics before we wrap up this show for today? No, I mean I mentioned people crying. I mentioned surprises. We've got we've got fraud to talk about. I I think it was a fun week of football. Um, I kind of was liked, a great week. I kind of liked having the multiple Monday night games, but I think that's just because both of them turned out to be good. I think yeah. if if it was a if it was a three nothing in a regular game, it'd be like, dude, just like throw this on like the one o'clock slate and don't bother anybody with it. A fraud we missed that I think we kind of got to acknowledge. They're kind of in the same spot of the lines, maybe not quite as extreme, is the Philadelphia Eagles. So I'm going to. I know you lost to the two best teams in the NFC. Can I defend this? Dominated by the two best teams in the NFC. Can I defend this? I think 
You're absolutely correct. However, the Eagles still control everything. I'm pretty sure I saw that if they win out. Now, actually, let me rephrase. They can't get the one seed if they win out. But if they finish 14-3, and three, Dallas will be a wild card team. They'll own the tiebreaker. I, uh, I forget what level of tiebreaker it was, but they'll still win the division. And the other thing that I want to mention for the Eagles is they're tired, man. We talked about yeah. that schedule. They went Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, Niners, Cowboys. And now they get to go Seattle dead because what's his face Geno Smith is kind of then they get the Giants twice who I mean Tommy DeVito is a lunatic in his own right but and then the Cardinals so I understand you're absolutely correct they got their asses handed to them by both of those teams but I just think that every team goes through a lull you saw the you saw the 49ers lose three in a row I just think Better to lose three in a row now than three in a row at the end of the season than in your first playoff game. So I'm not going to count them out, but you are correct. It, it's been a bad couple weeks at the offense at the office for him. I just think for a team that I think is still my Super Bowl favorite, uh, you you kind of have some questions underlying there after the last two performances. But you're right. You're tired. Everyone has their lows. It's that point in the season. They were nine and one before or ten and one before that. They weren't going to be ten and one forever. So, yeah, that's uh, all. Nothing, yeah, I've got nothing else to add. Um, I'm not really sure how to sign off this week because I'm pissed off at both of the slogans that I normally say. So I'll turn it over to you, man. I'll let you get the last word. I hope everyone has a blessed week. Um, and we'll, if you made it this far in the podcast, I have a secret to tell you at the end of the next podcast. So just keep that in mind.